0: Welcome to the Culture of Cool podcast. Now, here's your host, Tony Alonso.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Culture of Cool podcast, where I have a wonderful opportunity to explore Ford Mustang Bullet hobby and the owners, and enthusiasts of that hobby. And pleased to be speaking to someone who has a lot of connection to California in the San Francisco area where the movie Bullet was filmed and certainly part of the story. And I met Tom Martindale quite by chance through Connections, the mutual Mustang Bullet owner. And uh, I wanted to spend some time talking to Tom. And so, uh, Tom, welcome to the podcast and glad you're here. Thanks, Tony. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. And my have to obviously start off with what makes you a Mustang bullet fan maybe what makes you a Mustang fan in general but specifically of course Ford Mustang bullet feature cars tell us a, tell us a little bit about what you have and how you acquired it how you got to have it part of your part of your life
0: I'd be happy to flesh it out a little bit. In the spirit of full disclosure, I'm going to be 77 in a couple of weeks here. So there's a lot of history that I can go back and draw. Uh,
1: Tom, don't carry yourself as someone who's uh, 77 years old. But I'll tell you what, glad to, glad to know that uh, regardless of the age range, Ford Mustang, Bullet Fanatics, uh, I think many of us have a quite similar passion. And so I definitely want to hear your story. So.
0: Bullet Heads know no age. That's for sure. Yes. A quick synopsis I'll share with you that uh, my association with Mustang goes back to 1965. I was a sophomore in college at that time, and Mm -hmm. I didn't have any resources to uh, have any ability to buy a Mustang, but I certainly had the ability to uh, twist my father's arm. So I was able to do that and coerced him into picking up a uh, 289 four speed silver with black vinyl top and red interior, and successfully pulled that off. And then two years later, you bought a 67. Fastback automatic, yeah, oh. you know, the beautiful red on red with the premium wheels. And unfortunately, he was a manufacturer's representative in New York City and taking a client to lunch. And valet pulled it down the street to come back and get another car. And of course, it was stolen. Oh, so no. They found it seven to ten days later, stripped on you know on its hubs in Brooklyn. Oh gosh! So that was oh, my early uh, introduction to Mustangs. And of course, fast forwarding a little bit to a point after which some schooling for my daughter, et cetera. And those, some of those expenses were absorbed and having had one or two career changes in between, I was finally able to pick up a 2000 GT black. And I really enjoyed that car it held it for about 14 years, put 154,000 miles on it, commuting to San Francisco. Wow. So I've been working in San Francisco for 50 years plus, sort of retired from a real estate brokering, but I still have some clients who thankfully want me to help them out. So I continued to do that really on a part-time basis, but I literally would commute into San Francisco for 50 years and have the tales uh, to tell as a result of that. When I got the, uh, the 2000 GT, I remember driving into work one day and keep in mind that my route comes from across the Golden Gate Bridge. So I live north of the Golden Gate Bridge and over my career commuting into the city, I've been over that bridge roughly 13 and times. I wish I had all the money that I spent on that bridge.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you how much money do you think that adds up to.
0: I'm, af- I'm afraid to total it up, but <laughs> I will tell you that for most of those years commuting into the city, when I was particularly when I was doing real estate, which has now been over 33 years, I would drive down Marina Boulevard past the Marina Safeway, which those people who have seen the movie would recognize as being part of the chase scene route. Twice a day, I would go down that road. And I remember going in one day and getting nearing downtown. I passed by Fog City Diner. If anybody was there on the launch of the 2001 bullet, somebody might remember the Fog City Diner, but I never forget driving by. That's right near Levi's headquarters. And there were seven or eight brand new 2001 dark highland green bullets parked on the side of the street.
1: Oh, my. So you got to see the. the that was the media, media launch. Intro.
0: Yeah. Was, so I, I drove right by it. And that got me thinking because of one of the, the contacts that really made it clear in my mind that I wanted to get a little bit more into the bullet, bullet hobby, if you will. And that being the fact that when I started working in San Francisco in 1972, I was selling office equipment. A guy I sat next to was very good salesman, but he had a continual problem with the senior management of the company, calling him from the East Coast and asking him questions. Why were they seeing him on TV? He used to take acting on the side, and if anybody remembers Streets of San Francisco with Carl Molden and and Michael Douglas, uh, my buddy played Bernie the Coroner. So whenever there was a coroner on the scene, that was my buddy Steve. He was in the movie Towering Inferno, and then he also ended up in a little movie everybody's going to know called Bullet, and he actually played the Mark Hopkins Hotel doorman in the opening sequence of that movie.
1: Incredible. Uh, Just course. by happenstance in your yep. <laughs> your work and your location and
0: uh, what you were doing connected you with this gentleman. So, wow. It goes back that far. So sometimes these origins have long legs. That's why everybody needed to know how many years I've got on this planet. But he also was a person who sang at our wedding 45 years ago because he was was an actor. He's a very good singer and everything else. So my connection to him is very strong. I knew he was in the movie. I'd seen 2001 bullets. So I began to think someday I'll uh, try to get a bullet. And so uh, that's what led to that. And I, I, uh, in uh, 2014, I was at my desk downtown San Francisco during lunch, looking at the websites, probably looking at Auto Trader or something. And I saw a local dealer had a 2008 Mustang for sale and it said it was green, but nothing else. There was no word there that it was a bullet. It was just 2008 green Mustang
1: GT. Okay. Is what it said. Yeah.
0: But I was smart enough at that point to say, wait a minute, this could be a bullet. I'm going to go and check it out. So I got up from my desk went down to my car and drove down to the dealer and took a look at it. And it was in very pristine condition, and it had two owners prior, but there wasn't even a door ding in it. All the gaps were looked like they were spot on. The only thing a drawback to it was the fact that the uh, the engine was a little dirty, but then I had to go home and tell my wife, I think we need to go back there tomorrow, and she thankfully agreed. So we went back the next morning and I was looking at the car a little closer, opened up the hood, And I saw the serial number, and I was dumbfounded because the serial number was 1301, which is the number of my dark island green bullet. And a client that I have been doing real estate work for over 30 years, in 1992, I helped him acquire a warehouse in the South of Market District of San Francisco, the address of which is 1301 Harrison Street. (laughs) The universe was
1: speaking. My goodness. Overall, yeah. a, a good period of time, but holy cow, look at all these connections to, in the movie Bullet. That's And the way that things work out with regard to the serial number. And I think our listeners know that every Mustang Bullet from each generation has a unique serial number because they are a limited production run model, but that's the trip that... 1301 wow. that number had significance like that
0: amazing that's why i think it was my destiny to have this car
1: I oh mean, yeah
0: i know we're getting close to halloween but it's kind of spooky
1: <laughs> that's amazing i have to ask you a little bit too about your familiarity with the uh bullet movie itself and you know the this the chase scene and of mm-hmm. course the people still talk about it all these years later, but of course it's the dark green Mustang. It's uh, one of the participants in that yes. chase scene. So did you have any sense through your actor friend, what, you know, it was like at that time for that sort of, um, you know, movie uh, film experience to be, you know, used and produced and put in and, you know, what it meant to, actually do that kind of chase through the you know the different streets of the san francisco area did you have any idea of how that
0: you
1: know how that was and what that was what that was like
0: well my buddy steve really was not involved in that aspect of it he was Mm uh having a a job that gave him some exposure and and he loved working in the city uh, in addition to uh, doing his regular day job. But I could tell from looking at the movie that it was quite disjointed, and everybody who has watched it is pretty familiar with the fact that it's all over the place. And I don't have any knowledge other than that it was a pretty seminal event for the city and county of San Francisco to turn over their streets to big film involving as many street closures and everything else. But I mean, there's there's been a buzz about it for a long time. It's died down over the years. It's been what 50 years now. 50 yeah, years over
1: 50 yeah. years.
0: Yeah. But because I was routinely traveling in the areas where the films, uh, the, the the scenes were filmed, I obviously developed some familiarity with it. And it's kind of fun to to go back when the opportunity presents itself to go visit some of them. So I enjoy doing that aspect as well. Yeah.
1: You know, that's really cool, Tom. Because I've taken a look at. Some of the maps, um, I know when I've viewed the film, not being from the area, I don't have a sense for how the geography of all of that works and, you know, the the connectedness of all these routes that were taken. But uh, when I've looked at maps, uh, it's been fascinating for me to see how different streets Mm -hmm. wound up in different shots. And that if you try to trace the route from start to finish, there's not really a full-born, uh, you know, path through it. So to be going around and, you know, being on those streets so many times, I, I would kind of qualify you as a bullet-chasing route expert <laughs> because of your familiar there, familiarity with all of that. And uh I know if I I've been on Lombard Street one time in my life when I was out in San Francisco, and that was the closest I I think I ever got it. But as you know, and as some of the listeners know, there have been trips by the Mustang Bullet owners out to the area, and there have been a couple of times where people have driven the streets that that made up part of the chase route. So. With your bullet connections there, and not only as a Mustang bullet owner, but also your knowledge of that, tell me a little bit about how that that knowledge and expertise, how you use that, because it's a heck of a route when I see it on the map, for sure.
0: Very disjointed. It's not continuous, as you indicated. And there are still some very recognizable areas where if you'd seen the movie the day before, you'd say, aha, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. There are other portions of the of the movie towards the end, especially where the charger gets blown up in the gas station. That's all, Bill, it's hardly recognizable anymore. So it, it, if I would be out in the future with somebody, probably wouldn't bother going down there because it, it's tough to relate to. But there are quite a few other things that, that are recognizable. But as far as the participating or, or assisting and showing people around, I, I would just bring up the fact that for the... 2018 Friends of Steve McQueen car show. When I, when I registered for that, I, I had always felt that I got my, my dark Harlan green 08 and 14. So I knew the 50th anniversary of the movie was coming up. Mm-hmm. And because I was driving by the Safeway every freaking day, I said, you know, what I should do is I should call Steve, who had moved to Southern California by this time. He mm-hmm. lives down at Santa Clarita. I said if they're going to do something in San Francisco I'm going to bite him up, put him in my car and we'll participate and it'll be fun so he could mm-hmm. get you know the experience. But found out uh, the best thing that was happening to uh, recognize the 50th anniversary was the Steve McQueen car show in Chino Hills. So I know the Hoondog group was organizing the Route 66 trip across the country and I was still working busy doing real estate deals and I wasn't in a position to do that but I certainly wanted to sign up with a buddy of mine who has lives in Stockton, who's got a dark Highland Green 08, number 2998 by the name of Bob Spieth. But we caravaned down and went to the show, but I had called the, reached out to the organizers of the show because I knew Steve was down there. Mm -hmm. So I registered for the show, and then I sent him an email. I said, by the way, would anybody there be interested if I could get an actor in the movie to be present at the show? And uh, Ron Harris, the co- Chairman of the show called me back about two days later and said, we're very interested. So yeah. long story yeah. short is I made arrangements with Ron Harris to uh, acknowledge Steve Bradley, who had played the doorman at the uh, Friday night uh, fundraising dinner meeting at the Friends of Steve McQueen car show. So he stood up in front of 750 people to get acknowledged. And to me, that was kind of in the bullet owner's you know, DNA to kind of recognize and pay forward to other people. And here I could return the favor that he sang in my wedding 50 plus years later. (laughs) (laughs) And he got a lot of recognition and people came up to him. But right before that, Tony, I was watching the Imbach website for any news about it. And I noticed Rigmar Morales of Southern California. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. Rigmar was discussing the plans and how it was going to work and and announced that, you know, we're going to go to San Francisco the Monday after the show. So I reached out to him and I said, you don't know me, but uh, we have bullets in common. And what I would volunteer to do is to try to reach out to San Francisco media to see whether or not we can generate some coverage for everybody. And I will tell you, that was you know almost a fruitless pursuit because I went through about four or five television stations, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't get much of a response, but there was a local TV anchor at the local TV station who was a Cal Berkeley graduate, and my daughter's a Cal Berkeley graduate. So mm-hmm. on a whim, mm-hmm. I reached out to him on LinkedIn, pulled the UC Berkeley word out, and he actually called <laughs> me and put me in touch with his producers. So there's a video out there now, which I don't know if I've sent this to you. Other people could find it on YouTube, but it's it's called Bullet Invasion 2018. And it was actually a video that was done on June 4th of 2018, which has uh, mostly the hoondog people and going around to various places to see where the film was, was shot, ending up down at Fort Point with a group photo. And it's all documented in that little movie. But I had told Rigmar I'd do my best. And lo and behold, on the day of June 4th in the morning, I got a call from a producer. He says, hey, I got a helicopter for you. And where are you? So that's how it <laughs> happened. Somewhere out there, there's a, there's a video of KTVU television on June 4th of 2018. I can't find it anymore. Somebody might have it. But they actually shot us driving through the streets of San Francisco from a helicopter. Um, that was a lot of fun. But I will really apologize to the group that was following me. Rigmar said, you take half of these people. I'll take the other half. There was a, a prepared book. I believe the Hoondog people put it together. They did, the Places and I couldn't look at that and drive at the same time, so I was going on memory. I think I made one or two wrong turns. So if anybody is still irritated at me for that, I apologize. <laughs> but how do you? Uh,
1: I'm sure that you had been forgiven already. I mean, uh, what a uh, what a grand thing to do, you know, to reach out and I know that that made the that made that trip in 2018 to celebrate. The fiftieth anniversary, you know, just more memorable for people. So not only did drive Route sixty six all the way to California, but then to you know participate in that show in the Chino Hills area, and then get up to San Francisco, to actually be on part of the chase. Uh, yeah, you uh, you did a great service for your uh, for your fellow. Mustang bullet enthusiasts. And uh, so cool that, again, I qualify you as the bullet chase route expert (laughs) because of your, you know, your connection to the area, your work and and where you would be going. I mean, just really uh, spectacular, I think, to have among the uh, Mustang bullet community, someone who knows that. Otherwise, it's, in maps and you know maybe written about by people who are involved with the Mustang or sorry with the Bullet movie production. And I I don't even know that Ford on their media drives. I know they have certainly routes that they've sent uh people through you know for each of the, the models the the two thousand one, the 0809 and 19 and 20. But uh you're you're the real McCoy in my book, and uh, Thank again, Thanks. pretty cool that you you were doing. It.
0: I'll try to be worthy of that.
1: <laughs> You're more than worthy. So, tell me a little bit more about your Mustang Bullet and the things that you enjoy about it. You know, great connection to the community. But now, how, how, what's it like to drive the 8 And I love the 2008-2009 uh, model because of the the heritage looks are so, of the three models, they're they're so closely connected to the original. They look, you know, make yes. you think of the original so yes. much. So, you know, tell me what it's like for you to be the owner of that car.
0: Well, like uh, most people who drive Bullets, uh, it takes them back many years. And I need to shave off quite a few years, but it's a lot of fun. Obviously, I'm a member of a local uh, Mustang club over in the East Bay, actually, because there's not much going on in the county that I live in. But Mm -hmm. I go to a lot of shows, have a lot of fun preparing the car. It was fun driving it into work every day along the same route that the movie was shot. Uh, I did that for a lot of years. When I picked it up, Tony, it was was just shy of 65,000 miles, and it now has 91,000 on it
1: okay
0: um and i'm not driving it, it as much obviously anymore because i want to keep the mileage a little low and i'm not confused mm-hmm. but it's a very stock 2008 the only thing i've changed on it are the shocks and it's a different battery but it, no modifications have been done to it at all and uh, that's a contrast to my 2000 gt which is i spent a lot of time with uh Aluminum switches and everything, and fuel doors and everything else to make it look like a 2001. But for the 2008, I haven't really touched it at all. And the one thing that I really appreciated about it is how it sounds. It sounds so nice. Yeah. And I'm I'm an audio. I mean, sounds mean a lot to me, and that sound sounds wonderful. And I was fortunate in my in my work to have, which is hard to get, downtown parking in a high rise building in San Francisco. Oh. Courtesy of the company, and there's a nice long ramp leading into the underground parking, and I would just love to drive into work every day, put it in first gear, and let it <laughs> pop and bang all the way into the garage. It was—I <laughs> had so much fun with that. That was terrific. I can't yeah. do more, but that's a lot of fun. So yeah, I we I do some stuff with this area club. Show it at shows have won three trophies with it. Nothing major. But it's just fun to to work on. gives me something to do and uh, keep it as pristine as possible. And uh, it uh, still looks good. It's never been, as far as I've owned it, in a car wash at all. I always hand wash it. I always keep it detailed. And I've done a lot of detailing to the engine myself. And so it's in really good, presentable shape now.
1: Tom, uh, they're a blast to drive, definitely, because of that sound. And... Yeah, different people have different uh, owner experiences, but because now it's been what uh, fourteen years, is that right? Fourteen years, two thousand eight. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, that's, 14. that's right. Fourteen years since that car came out. I think it's cool to have the the preservation mode going on for the for that car now, and. uh Of course, uh, never begrudge anybody who who does modifications to their Mustangs, but I know I'm at the point in my ownership experience where, you know, having it be a little more stock or stock is, uh, you know, that's an enjoyable thing. I have to ask you also, if the opportunity arose to uh, jump it over the hills of San Francisco, would you do that? I, well, I don't think I could do that myself, but uh, uh
0: Um Tony at my age I'm I'm a more uh, sedate driver these days for the <laughs> obvious reasons and I would want to preserve the bullet as much as I could. And and uh, having recently driven those uh streets, if we want to talk about that, I could do that if time permits, but it would take a lot of punishment because some of those jumps are pretty substantial.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. The reason I mentioned that is because I had had the opportunity back in the day when the uh, 2008 model was being introduced to get a chance to drive one of the pilot production bullets. The, uh, this was an arrangement with Ford through their enthusiast outreach program. And, and the IMBOC group was one of the first groups that were so closely connected and actually treated as if they were a media outlet and the car that Ford sent to us was the number 1PP06 which actually wound up it was jumped on oh, the wow. hill and showed the scrape marks from where it came down in front on the, Got it. on the uh, underneath near the uh, the front suspension area so uh, it's car to that it's part of that car's provenance now and it's actually owned by another you know, Mustang bullet enthusiast. I, I hope to speak with him at some point in the future. Right. He did add his words about his ownership experience in uh, the, the book that I wrote, Mustang Bullet Generations. And so I always think about the 08s and their uh, their jumps. The 01s were jumped, the 08s were jumped, and the 19 was jumped too, so every, yes. every car got jumped. But I'd have a hard time jumping mine. I'd want to probably... Do a little more into preservation. It
0: takes a lot of faith when you come up some of those hills, Tony, you see nothing but sky. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which watching that in the watching those jumps in the movie, just amazing they did what they did. Yes, agreed. So you, because you are, as I, I think a bullet chase route expert, I have the good fortune to be able to, to get some help from you. And again. Through um, through Rigmar Rigmar uh, Morales, where I had uh, someone who was interested in traveling from Germany, to, uh, a fellow writer author actually he's a much better writer and author I'd say and he's uh, got a 2019 Mustang Bullet. It's one of the pilot production models. I did include his story in uh, Mustang Bullet Generations. And he was asking, "Could someone take me around?" I know it seems kind of silly or nerdy or cheesy, but can can someone take me around the bullet chase route? And uh, Rigmar gave me your name, and and that's why we're talking, of course. But tell me a little bit about that trip uh, that was made. And uh, Constantine Bergander, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, right. if I'm not, I apologize, Constantine. <laughs> In advance, but you uh, got he got connected to you, and you uh, you helped him help me out and helped him out. So tell me a little bit about that that experience.
0: Yeah, I, I think we had a great day. I uh, met, met him and his girlfriend about ten a m at a designated location in the city and uh, immediately uh, dragged him down to where the chase scene started. and we chatted along the way and uh, was able to get to most of the uh, the recognizable places, including uh, the apartment building, the store across the street the various areas where Bimbo's 360 is off of Columbus Avenue, where the chase scene really starts. And and Frank Bullitt has to wait for the cars to pass before he blasts up the hill. I mean, we did all that. And mm-hmm. I even took him down cur- the the crooked part of Lombard Street, which is not in the movie. But I was able to throw that in because it was so close by. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked our way around out towards Fort Point, down Francisco Boulevard, where the charger comes down the hill facing you and loses its hubcap and mm-hmm. all that kind of business. so we we had a lot of fun doing all those things and i even took him into fort point which is across the street from the marina safeway supermarket where the uh, rollout of the 2008 took place
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I quickly learned that, uh, Con- that constantine is a great photographer i'm looking yep. forward to the, the the product of his but he kept wanting to position my bullet in front of all the the landmarks, so <laughs> we stopped quite a bit. He took a few pictures uh, in front of uh, Frank Bullet's apartment and uh, other places at Fort Point, where the the launch of 08 took place. and And he ended up treating me to uh, to lunch in downtown San Francisco at Tadich Grill, which is one of the destination places for anybody. Uh, around the world who wants to come to eat at a great place in san francisco and very nice and i even introduced him to one of my clients, who's an antique dealer and they had a great conversation because the antique dealer owns porsches and i don't want to bring that up in a bullet conversation but my client owns porsches and constantine is writing a book about them so yes. anyway i think it was mutually beneficial all the way around yeah
1: that's great tom and uh yeah he uh He's uh, he's quite the uh, automotive enthusiast, and he does write about uh, the European marks. In fact, I got a book from him on the Audi RS line. I was grateful to receive a copy uh, of that. But this, you know, even though he he loves those marks, you know, he's got a Mustang boat, and he loves the Americana part of what it represents. Yes. and yeah. so yeah, even though uh, you know he has other. Automotive uh, marks that he appreciates. You know, you really made his day. I know he did tell me he was very grateful, at least through electronic messaging, that he appreciated what you did. That's so anyway, one, bullet head helping out another one.
0: I'm here, I'm partially retired, if not fully retired yet. And, uh, you know, if somebody has a need, uh, scheduled permitting, I'd be more than happy to help anybody out.
1: Tom, you know, I'm going to take you up on that when I get out to San Francisco. Okay. All right. <laughs>
0: Lunch is on you.
1: Okay, yes, I'll I'll buy the lunch. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. So to close out our discussion here, I just wanted to say uh, one of the things I appreciate so much about the hobby is uh, in owning one of these really neat feature cars, you get to meet a lot of spectacular people and a lot of people who have somehow connections to bullet not everybody not every owner i mean some owners jumped into buying these cars because they liked the look or the uh-huh. you know, they wanted something a little different and and that was what was done on purpose from Ford in you know knowing their market target audience but they also knew many people who appreciate the movie and the green Mustang in the movie and the locale and the chase scene you know, what those all represent and how they're so interconnected with, with Mustang. So uh, it's really cool to talk with, with you about your your connections in this hobby. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure, Tony. Heck of a story you got there. I'm glad we had a chance to share. Likewise. With that, appreciate uh, listeners, dear listeners, uh, for you tuning in for another episode of culture of cool and don't forget if you're ever out in san francisco and you want the bullet chasing experience talk with mr tom martindale for a lunch i think he'll hook you up (laughs) appreciate it thanks so much tom thank you tony thanks for listening to the culture of cool podcast we'll see you next time until then stay cool